0: It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language. But the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. I'd promised today to touch an issue on Israel and kingship. You're gonna love this. First Samuel chapter 8 verses 1. The Bible says, and it came to pass that when Samuel was old... He made his sons judges over Israel. He made his sons judges of Israel. Now, the name of his firstborn was Joel. The name of his second was Abiah, And there were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after filthy lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah. And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thine ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Praise the Lord. Before I even start preaching and sharing the word there, I also need to bring a little um, encouragement to some of you. When Israel rejected Samuel, the Bible says he was grieved in his spirit. It was a grievous thing for him. It was painful that Israel had chosen the will and purpose of God over their own personal understanding of what they thought was the way to to build the right way. And God comes to Samuel. Of course, Samuel is a father. He has positioned these boys to take after him. But, Samuel is not, his boys are funny, and I'm going to come to that a bit later. So, Israel rejects the rule of Samuel and tells him we want a king. And he was grieved in the inside. And sometimes as Christians, we take personal certain things when they are done to us, forgetting that some things are not really done to you, but they are done to God. You remember in the book of Acts when Paul, Saul then was on his way to persecute the Christians on the way to Damascus, was that? And Jesus appears to Saul and tells him, Saul, Saul... Why persecutest thou me? Some of those Christians, I believe, when the persecution began, they thought it was on them. They made it personal. That's why persecution should not be personal. It's not on you, it's on him. The Bible says, The world has hated me and will hate you also. Or the world will hate you for it hated me first. You understand? You remember when Sarah comes to Abraham and tells Abraham, Get rid of the lad? Hagar and her son Ishmael. The Bible says this thing was grievous to the spirit of Abraham, and God comes and comforts him and tells him, Abraham, do not grieve. Don't grieve. Let it not be very grievous in your heart. Let the son and the woman go. It is my will. So sometimes when people do certain things to you, sometimes it's important for you to seek the mind of God pertaining the thing. Because in the sense of Abraham, it was the will of God. But it grieved Abraham. In the sense of certain instances in life. Not all, but in certain instances, there is a good coming. Hallelujah. The men who crucified Jesus did not know that they were purchasing eternal salvation for you and I. Hallelujah. They did not know. If they had known that, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you realize that it was? it took foolishness to crucify Christ? Bible calls it a wisdom. Which the princes of this world do not. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Somebody shout hallelujah. So it was a wisdom that they did not know. So sometimes when things are done to you, sometimes you take it so personal and you forget that there is a mind of God bigger than what they're doing to do you. Like I said last week, God has not put you in the hand of anyone mightier. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. But now he has a problem. The children of Israel want a king. They want a king. And I think it's two reasons why they want a king. The first reason I think they want a king was because one, kingship anointings were predictable. It was father to son to father to son to father to son. Read all the judges of the Old Testament dispensation many of them, their rule, their existence, and coming into authority was not a predictable kind. Nobody knew who was coming to rule. So of course there is a fear of this guy has done well in our lives. We hope he stays and probably passes the same things into his son. That gives us a certain guarantee that we're not going to make mistakes in future. People love things that are predictable. Likewise, the Israelites had seen other kingdoms and many of those kingdoms were predictable because kings used to die, sons take over, sons die, sons, sons take over. And it was a continuous life of kings after kings after kings. And so, many of them at a particular point feel, no, 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 no. I think we need somebody. We need we need something that can, can, can give us a certain continuity but can be predictable and explainable. You understand what I'm saying? In the book of Judges, chapter 8, verses 22... Gideon gave victory to the children of Israel over the Midianites. And in verses 22, Judges 8.22, the men of Israel called Gideon and told him, Rule over us, both thou, thy son, and thy son's son also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of the Midian. You see their mentality? When Gideon led them out of deliverance, from a sudden deliverance of the Midianites, their enemies, they realized, look, what can we pay you? We need something that, that can run because they think maybe some of this leadership must run in the blood. It must be a blood issue. Maybe when a king produces a king, it's almost as though what was in that king goes into that other king. Give us uh, the opportunity to serve you. But we want you to rule after that. Your son comes in and your son's son. Let them rule us. Why? Because you've given us victory and we are persuaded that like you've given us victory, the same thing inside you will enter your son, will enter your son's son, and we shall all have victory and it shall be a continuous thing like the kingdoms of this world, but the difference is you are a judge. They always had a monarchical mindset. Like certain men of God have it. Some men of God think that it's obvious that your children will serve God. Some people think That the ministry of Jesus Christ has a monarchical understanding and system. It's not automatic that your son will take after you in the ministry. You understand what I'm saying? There are patterns that as a man of God you must build deliberately. And it has to be deliberate. And partly, it's it's, it's important for you to understand this later when we come to the reason why Samuel... Is he, They want to relieve Samuel of his duty as a judge. There was a disappointment. Why? Like the Bible said earlier, his sons did not go his way and gave him two filthy lucre and gave perverse judgments. His sons failed him. But this was not the first time it was happening. It happened to his spiritual father Eli. Eli's boys also messed up. And these were the last, Eli was the second last judge and Samuel was the last judge of Israel. They had messed up. Their children had messed up. Samuel was under a man who didn't know how to rule his children. And if you want to know that Samuel was a true son, spiritually, to Eli, he, he did exactly what Eli did for in his son's lives. And the same results we see in Eli's life, sons is the same results we see in Saul's son's lives. I mean Samuel's son's lives. Like Eli's children failed, Samuel's sons failed too. You understand what I'm saying? They failed to. So it's not enough to think that because I have a son physically, therefore it means or daughter, therefore it means no, the anointing on me will transfer. No. Parents, raise up your children in the way they should go. You understand what I'm saying? In the way they should go. A friend of mine was telling me, oh, you know, sometimes my kid doesn't want to go to church. Listen. Listen. How can your kid not want to go to church? Put them in the car by force. But I don't want to force them on God. No, this is the edge where you should take them in the way they should go. It, it's, there's a should there. Do I have a witness? Tell your neighbor there's a should there. Yes, you tell them as long as you're in my household, you should go to church. I have a friend in a foreign land. One time, he was telling his son, no, I want you to pray, come to church. You must come to church. You must come to church in a foreign land. You know, those European nations. So, (laughs) one day, his son becomes so sad because the father is forcing him to pray. And then, the boy reports at school. Somehow, they ask the boy, how are you feeling? You you don't look happy. The boy was a bit desesperated. And said, oh, no. The boy says, you know what? Sometimes daddy forces me to go to church when I don't want. Eh, eh, eh. In some European countries, it's it's dangerous. So they call this guy. They tell him, look, you can't force a kid to do what they don't want to do. How old is the kid? 10, 8, 6, 7. That's why Europe is getting wasted and they're burying their kids in drugs and alcohol. You understand? So the guy tells me, he went back home and he called his son and the whole family, that day he summoned the whole family, the whole family in the living room and told them outside this house is the other country. <laughs> Inside him, this household of mine, this is Uganda. He told me he even bought a flag and put it on a wall. that they know when they are in the house. They are in Uganda. And the rules of Uganda apply. And in Uganda. People pray. (laughs) That is a man whose son will serve God. I am persuaded. Hallelujah somebody. We saw Samuel fail. We saw Eli fail. To raise his own children. Don't think that it's okay for, that your biological children will automatically serve God. No, you understand. You must invest time in them. The Bible says, "This word shouldn't depart from you." When you're on the dinner table, the Bible says, "You shall speak them." In Scripture, you shall put them on the doorposts and on the bedside. That means get even scriptures, little scriptures, write them on your daughter's walls. Hallelujah even when you're over dining, meditate over the word and throw a scripture and say, down somebody. I was meditating about God on this scripture. Those things that you share over dinner, over tea, in there, whatever, he says, you shall write them upon the doorposts in their house and upon thy gates. Things should be everywhere. The word of God should be everywhere in your house. Praise the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says, this is extension of posterity. Your kids must know the word. Hallelujah. You must get them into the world. But some of you say, ah oh, no, he's young, he'll grow up. Over dinner you just talk about, you know, soap operas. No, 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 no. Tell your neighbor, no, 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 no. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So now, we have a monarchical understanding. A few judges have disappointed us like Eli, like Samuel. Even earlier, earlier than that, Samson disappointed us. But we want a kingly thing. We want something like the world wants. Hallelujah. We give us kings like the rest. That means we don't only want the order of kingship. We want the structure, the heart and the system like the kings of the world. Maybe Israel was not growing at the speed they wanted to grow. You understand what I'm saying? And the Bible says, this thing grieved God. It's somewhere in Hosea 13, verses 9. Hosea 13, verses 9. The Bible says, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me, thine help is thine help. I will be thy king. The Bible says, I will be thy king. Where is any other that may serve thee in all thine cities? And thy judges, of whom thou sayest, give me a king and princes," and I gave thee a king in mine anger and took him away in my wrath. God was angry, but he answered. Some people think all answered prayer is the pleasure of the Lord. Not everything answered the Lord is pleased with. But there is such a thing in scripture as permissible will. There is perfect will and permissible will. Some people, God has answered permissible will. But they've not responded to the perfect will of God concerning their lives. And some people think that every answer from the Lord is perfect. Hello? Am I with somebody here? Not everything that you say, oh, God has answered my prayer. I asked for this and he did it. He can give you a permissible will kind of deal. Why? Because he sees it in your heart that you are so changed to take his course. He loves you that much to give you a second option if you want it. Because God is a gentle spirit. He does not impose himself. That is why when, as you continue to grow in God, you realize that the highest level of maturity is the perfect yieldedness to take him at his purpose without considering your own. It's amazing the God who sees your end, that he always gives you what's perfect if you yield to him wholly, fully. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So not all answered prayer is perfect will. Israel, it wasn't time for Israel to have a king. But because Israel insisted to have one, he said, okay, you can give them what they want. If that's what they want, give them what they want. So don't always think that every answered prayer equals to the perfect will of God. Always. That is why the renewal of the mind is to the extent that you understand that good acceptable, and perfect will of God concerning your life. There are many people who have settled for second best. There are many people who have settled for third best. There are many people who have settled for what is good and ignored what is acceptable. There are many people who have settled for acceptable and not settled for what is perfect. There are many people who are living in permissive will. And yes, there is joy there, there is happiness there. Yes, there is some comfort and breakthrough. Yes, there's a few fixtures there that meet your fancy and minister to the kernel self. But the end of it is if you had known, that is why you wait. That is why sometimes you wait. Hey, hey, I'm talking to women. I'm desperate. Apostle. Apostle. I'm desperate. I'm desperate. Apostle. 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 I've waited. No, 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 no. Listen. If you know the perfect will of God concerning your life, everything is worth the wait. It's worth the wait. It's worth the what? The wait. Some of you, it's the deals you want to enter that are not worth it. If it means waiting, wait for me. I, if until it's perfect, but I'm running out of time. Listen, let me tell you something. Time cannot be understood in the human understanding and interpretation of time, that is third dimensional. Go into fourth dimensional and understand time from the mind of the spirit. Internalize things according to purpose and eternal plane. You'll understand that. It, it, it is it, your, 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 many human beings, their understanding of time has a relative disclosure of selfishness. Selfishness. Let me give you an example. You look in the mirror and you worry about time. the time is running away because something has folded here. You understand? You go in a World Cup game where there are two teams And your team is one goal ahead. And you say, I wish the time rushes faster. And the game ends. (laughs) It is your friend when the game is on your side. It is your enemy when, (laughs) when the game is on the other side. There are two people. Both of them are praying. Father, I pray time extends until we score. You understand what I'm saying? And then there's another one who says, I wish the time just runs now. At that particular point, you didn't respect that the change of time has an effect on your body. Some of you start university. You say, I, I wish I want to finish like university, like tomorrow morning. You know? Three years. Fast forward, three years. The face loses a little shape. Say, my ah, no, man, I'm growing old. You start to fear. Time in the third dimensional world is selfish. Time in the fourth dimensional world is purposeful. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And our end is of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, our end is of the Lord. Whether you produced at 34, whether you produced at 40, whether your firstborn came at 50, that does not matter. One time somebody told me, but post, So you, you, you've delayed to have children. I said, what about the ones in the ministry? What are they? For <laughs> some of you, but, but one time I went to a woman, I went to a, a certain lady in a certain nation, I asked, her, I asked her, Do you have children? No. Can I prefer and you have some? She told me, I'm 47. <laughs> she respected the time of her body and ignored. The life of God that can be emitted in her spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Now, he was angry and gave them a king in anger because one, it was not his will to have kings at that time. And two, he saw impendingly that the choice they were going to bring was not his choice. Actually, Saul was never God's choice. Saul was the provisional choice for men's de- demands. What that Rasura just said? Saul was not God's choice. Saul was the provisional choice of men's demands. Even in there, the will of God would still ordain him. The permissible one. That's why you always have to ask yourself, am I in the perfect will of God in this relationship? Am I in the perfect will of God in this business? Am I in the perfect will of God at this workplace? If you're, Let me tell you, I, my life has played out like a movie. When I was working in my first job, I told guys, I'm leaving by November. And my appointment later to one bank read, first november and i worked there and i I, after those three years i think of a year there towards the end of that workplace i also told the person who was next to me who i was supervising i told her the lord tells me you're coming in my stead and i'm leaving this month i told it to have four months before and an opportunity came two months later and i finished that november day again it was a november day and i worked that one more year in the next bank i went to and I told my, my neighbors during that time, I told them by the end of this year, again, it was a November death. The Lord told me, you shall sign out. And I signed out. And he told me, this is full. Now, just enter and serve. So, uh, it's possible, by the way, to be in the perfect will of God. Tell your neighbor, it's possible to be in the perfect will of God. When you're in the perfect will of God, it doesn't matter what checks you. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what they accuse you. It doesn't matter what what happens around you. Yes, things will come. Turbulences will shake. But when you are persuaded that you're in the perfect will of God, even in the drought, you blossom. Because you are in the perfect will of God. Saints, some of you think eh, that somebody will just say a word in your life and you enter perfect will. No. No God for yourself. And understand how God works. Our God is a God of knowledge. Pursue knowledge. And understand that this is the will of God concerning my life. Hallelujah somebody. That is why he gave us his word. Because his word is the perfect will. That's why I say he has made known unto us the mystery of his will. Because we have the word. Hallelujah somebody. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so what happens? They go for a man. The Bible defines Saul. Saul, the Bible says, he was handsome. Very handsome. And the Bible says that he was very tall. For no man was equal to his shoulder. That means he was the biggest, tallest. The Bible says he was a choice young man. A goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders upward, he was higher than any of the people. I love that God said Saul was goodly, not godly. Who has understood what I've just said? You could see how he responded to his father's animals. When Kish's animals get lost, he's bothered about the father. He serves his father. He was a good man. He was a good man. Saul was a good man. He was not a godly man. He was a good man. You understand the difference? And remember, when they asked for a king, God warned them, That if you ask for a king, he shall do this, he shall take your tithe, he shall take your children, he shall take your sons, your daughters and everything. He shall flip them, he shall trade them for slaves, he shall do this to you. He told them everything. And the Israelites still said, no. We still want a king. We are tired. Israelites. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So, he was a goodly man. He was tall. He He was everything outwardly that represented a king. Because God was trying to tell Israel, you're looking outwardly to have an inward experience of satisfaction. So God gave them everything they wanted outwardly. Tall, handsome, higher than anybody. Everything, goodly guy. He was everything they needed. Why? Because that was their fear. That another guy would come in and be funny. Okay, let me give you a goodly guy, a tall guy. He's, he's everything perfect outwardly. But it was still not my choice. But he was the choice according to your demand. I He was responding to their vision, not his vision. Who has understood what I just said? And true to form, God still gets the judge, Samuel, and he anoints Saul. so kish. He anointed him as king. The Bible tells us that Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin. You remember when Saul, when Samuel encounters Saul? He tells him, me, how come me, a Benjamite, from the smallest family, the smallest tribe, the least of all men. He says, how, how come you're telling me such words? Praise the Lord. He says, am I not a Benjamite? Of the smallest of the tribes of Israel. And my family, the least of all families of the tribe of Benjamin. Wherefore then thou speakest to me like that. How are you you telling me that I'm going to be a king? I'm a Benjamite. We are from the smallest, the leastest family. And again, interestingly, God chose the least. Because Eurus does that. He didn't choose the best. Eurus chooses the least. Now, when Jacob gathered his 12 sons. I want to show you a mystery. When Jacob gathered his 12 sons to prophesy in their lives in Genesis, the Bible says he called all of them. He says, come listen to what your father Israel has got to say about you. He called his sons and said, gather yourselves. Jacob called his sons, gather yourselves that I shall tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. And the next verse says, gather ye children uh, together, sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. So it was the spirit of In Jacob that was prophesying on his physical sons. And God uses both Jacob and Israel to show you there's a difference between the blesser, the spiritual man, and the physical self of the man that you see. So Jacob calls Israel blesses. And when he blesses all the twelve, he gets to the Benjamite. Benjamin. Genesis 49 verses 27. He says, Benjamin shall be a ravine as a wolf. And in the morning he shall devour the prey. And at night he shall divide the spoil. He is a man of war. What an ironic thing. And they're choosing a Benjamite. There's a Benjamite. A Benjamite is a goodly man. Goodly man but a raven inside. He's a goodly man, but he's a wolf inside. He's a goodly man, but he divides the proud night and he divides the spoil in the morning. But he's a goodly man. He's handsome. He's taller than anybody. He, his shoulder is higher than anybody. He looks everything beautiful outside, but in there, in there, there's a grain of Benjamin and it will strike at the right time. That is why he's warning them for the king they're asking for. Because he knows, he knows, he knows. He knows. So the goodly man, the strong guy, the guy who looks so nice outside, inside, the Benjamite thing is inside. And we later see it. He gives David the kingdom, a a wife for a kingdom after uh, defeating the Philistine. David plays the harp for him when demons are over him. He gives him his his daughter for, for a wife. David goes in the army Frontline kills 10,000 men. But the Bible tells us, and Saul loved David much. Even though the goodly king loved David much, in the inside, the Benjamite thing was there. And the moment David killed 10,000 men, the wolf was stirred. Remember wolves in sheepskin? The inside thing changed. And the Bible says, and that day, Saul hated David. His countenance changed towards David and he sought for his life. The same goodly man from the most humble family, from the most humble tribe, from the most humble people, from the smallest people. But the Benjamite spirit was in there. It strikes its prey. As long as it doesn't work to its advantage, it will kill any day. So he loves the man as long as he can do everything for him. But as long as this boy does glory way bigger than him, he's on his heels. He's going to kill him. And it beats anybody's understanding that the boy who killed the Philistine, the boy with whom the Lord was, the boy that played a harp on you, the boy that served you even when the spirit of the Lord departed of you because he was honoring the office, he is still the boy to kill when he has killed 10,000 men. Who are your enemies? But he becomes your enemy immediately because the Benjamite thing is in there. And Israel did not know. All along, God knew that they were going to have a king. He God refusing, so refusing the children of Israel to embrace kingship. Did not mean that he did not have the idea. He had the idea, but he wanted to do it a certain way. Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17 verses 14. I'm going to take you a bit back before even the judges come into existence. Moses tells you, he tells the children of Israel, he tells the children of Israel, when thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will set a king over me like as of the nations that are about me. He tells them, thou shalt in shall in any way set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thine brethren shall thou set king over thee, and thou mayst not set a stranger over thee which is not thy brother. He knows kingship is going to come. He knows when they enter their land they are going to ask for a king. He knows, but he's warning them, don't set anybody if you have not followed my pattern. Don't set anybody if you have not followed my will. My perfect will. Don't set anything until you seek my mind at my appointed time. The problem is not that you want a king. The problem is you want him the wrong time because you've not sought my will on when the king should come. And I'm going to show you something that amazes me. Genesis 49, again, when he's talking to Judah, verses 10, He gets to Judah and tell him, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. What does that mean? When he says the scepter shall not leave Judah, it means the anointing to rule his people shall not leave the lineage of Judah. It was the lineage of Judah to bring a king. God had it in mind. But he didn't want to get it through the Benjamite. So, his problem is not the king. His problem is they want to get the king their own way. And what happens? It's not yet time for the king as God has ordained him. But I have a choice for a king. Because there's a certain character and nature. There's a certain thing I want in that king. And it is not yet come. And it shall not come from a Benjamite. It shall come from the lineage of Judah. And is in David from the lineage of Judah. Hello? Hello? David was the first man God God chose by choice to pour oil on. Saul was man's choice, putting pressure on God for him to produce. But David was God's first choice to pour oil on. And look at the irony. Of all the the, the brothers who, who were with him, he was the last to be counted as king. Remember when they told Jesse, bring out your boys? David did not look king material, but that was God's choice. Well, well, if you have understood me, shout hallelujah. The God, the goodly, not godly, the goodly, the goodly, muscular guy with very high what, shoulders and all oh, good looking, inside there is wickedness. David was not only goodly; he was godly. And he has spoken through Judah that a scepter shall not leave you. That means somewhere. That's why you realize David is from the tribe of Judah. Now, to show you deeper that God was in this thing, God raises a, a, a judge, Ruth. Ruth before Eli, before Samuel. In Ruth chapter 4, verse 17. Now, if you were in the women's conference, you know who Ruth was. In verse 17, the Bible says she gave birth to a child and the women and her neighbors gave the child a name saying, there's a son born to Naomi and they called his name who? Obed. And he is the father of Jesse and the father of David. You understand? So, God through there has a Naomi you understand? And there's a son born to Naomi. They call his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And God stopped that chapter there. Because there's something going to come and God is counting it somewhere. He, he has a mind on it. It's not by mistake that in Naomi, somewhere, with a connection of Ruth the judge, somewhere Ruth judges the matter on Naomi. And Naomi carries the name somewhere in there the Obed, the Jesse, the David. They're from there and they're from the root of who? J- uh, 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 Judah. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Ezekiel 37, if you still don't believe yet. Verses 21. The prophet now goes back and picks a word that was spoken by God. And he said, Say unto them that said, The Lord, behold, I'll take the children of Israel from among the heathen. Listen. Whither they be gone and I will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. Remember what we read in Deuteronomy? when the people are brought to their own land, I shall give them a king. Now this is Ezekiel picking the old story by the spirit and he sees the prophetic word as the Lord had spoken the words in the spirit that the children of Israel shall be gathered from their enemies and strangers and the heathen and God shall take them to their own land like he promised in Deuteronomy 17 and the next verse says and I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel and one king shall be king of them all and they shall be no more two nations neither shall be the divided into two kingdoms anymore at all and the bible says and neither shall they defile themselves anymore with their idols nor with their detestable things nor with any of their transgressions but i will serve them out of all their dwelling places wherein they have sinned and i will cleanse them so shall they be my people and i'll be their god and the next verse says and david my servant shall be king over them he didn't mention so and they shall have one shepherd And they shall also walk in my judgment and observe my statutes and do them. And the next verse says, and they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt, and they shall dwell therein, even they and their children, and their children's children forever. And my, again repeats it, my servant David shall be their prince forever. David was God's choice. Saul wasn't. They're asking for a king when the time is not yet for the king. Who has understood what I just said? And God has a bigger plan in there. Because he wants to get a king. He wants to get a king out of them. The children of Israel. And his choice is a man after his heart. Who has understood what I just said? He's a man after his heart. A certain man of God came years ago and told me, Apostle, I feel the Lord has called me for something so big. I'm called for this ministry. He tells me everything about him. He tells me, pray with me. And I prayed for him a couple of days later because he had asked me to pray for him. And this is not the first time I've heard God say it. But the Lord told me about this man and told me much as he loves the ministry, he has a passion to serve. His heart is not with me. I cannot give. Him certain things because he doesn't know me a certain way. But wait a minute, but we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Oh, no, 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 you didn't finish the line through the knowledge. Through the knowledge. You've been given. That's true. Through the knowledge. It was one thing for David to be God's choice. It was another for him to yield to the will of God. It was one thing for David to be God's choice. It was another for him to give his heart to God. God has promised many things for you. And he has already given many things for you. they are signed, sealed and approved. Even sent from heaven. Hanging over your head. But it's through the knowledge of him that has called you, pastors, to glory and virtue. It's already done. Everything you need is available. But your heart, woman. Your heart, man of God. What if God gives you a million dollars? How are you going to look at us? Pastor, what if God gives you 10,000 people attending a meeting? How are you going to look at us? How, How are you going to enter? Do you understand what I'm saying? How are you going to respond to what God has ordained for you? Do you know? I'll give you an example. Do you know it's a maturity issue? I'll give you an example. Typical example. If you're a parent and you own a car and your child, you have a child up to the age of 10, there must be a time in life where that child one time before that asked you to, to drive the car. If, you, if, if, if your child has ever asked to drive, put up your hand if you've ever had a kid asking, can I drive please? Put up your hand. Uh-huh. So this kid wakes up and says, this is the car. Can I drive? How old is the kid? Four years. You're sure you can drive? Yeah. Are you sure you can drive? Yeah. How do they drive? You step there and there and there and then you drive. Give the kid the keys you'll see. They'll run into a wall if they have to. But there's nothing, there's, and, 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 you know, childlike faith is not supposed to be indifference. You understand? Childlike faith is not supposed to be indifferent. You understand? Childlike faith only works in the realm of, 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 of truth and maturity, even though they're a child. Wisdom to tell a difference. You, you get where I'm coming from, because even if your child has faith at that particular point that they can drive the car, you don't give them the keys because they have faith that they can drive the car. And there's many people who have that kind of faith. They believe they can do ministry. They believe they're going to do business. They confess, Apostle saying that we are going above and up beneath their head and their tail. We're going up and up, and only there's no way I can fail. I'm going to do it in the mighty name of Jesus. And you look at this person, and you know they do not have enough in their spirit to sustain what they want to walk into, even though it's available. Remember again, when he goes back in James, he says, uh, is it Galatians? He says, when a child, even though they be heir of all, because they're children, they're put under governors, tutors, until the time appointed of the father. When they have to respond to the knowledge availed them, when it's availed them, then they walk in. They think you're just going to say one word. You're going here. And then they enter. Okay, let them speak over your life. They'll speak until the cows come back. Home as though you have cows. But nothing will change in your life until you understand. It's through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Faith is not irresponsible. There are people you look at and the Lord has given very great gifts, but the spirit in them, the thing, there's something in them that is not able to walk in greatness. If God just opens it, some of you, by the way, who seek God, but God has been stuck here. Sometimes, eh, it's not a demon. Some of you are addressing demons, generational curses. Some of you, it's not even generational curses. No, it's you examine yourself. Examine yourself. Oh, you go to a man of God, you trust and tell him, look through, tell me. If he loves you and you're free in your spirit enough, if if you're proud eh, and pompous, eh, he will just watch you from afar and say, "No, let's pray." You know, sometimes eh, we also say, "Let's pray just for you to leave us." But if he sees that your heart genuinely is ready for the move of God, your priest can point you out and tell you, "Look, this is the issue you're dealing with. This is the issue you're dealing with." A lady walked to me one day, six years, and says, for six years I've been looking for a job and I can't get anything. Pray for me, Apostle. I'm tired. I need a breakthrough. And when I bowed my head, I asked her, three weeks ago I preached a sermon, sermon, and I gave it a name. I asked her, were you in the service? She says, I wasn't in the service. Of course, I was like, what devil keeps her out of that particular service? But anyway, to be continued. Long and short, I tell her, go listen to that CD. And then come back. She went, Listen to that CD, God didn't even give her opportunity to come back. Two days after listening to that sermon, she got a job. After six years, knocking on doors of men for six years. You mean the job was not available for her? It was available. In the timing of the Lord, the timing of the New Testament dispensation is knowledge. It is not like the Old Testament where they waited for God's time to come for the king too. No. Now in this dispensation, list at any time, they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand or perceive with their heart. Anytime their eyes see their ears hear, and their hearts perceive. time, The Bible says they should be converted. And I should heal them. Should. Should go to church. Should heal them. It's a must. There's a should principle again. It's a command by heaven to come and save you and help you and deliver you and heal you when you understand the conversion that comes after the understanding of your heart, the perception of your ears and the interpretation of your eyes at the time when you access knowledge. Hello? Some people have been given everything they need but they carry not the ability to walk into it because they've not reconciled the knowledge of it. You have a car, but you can't drive it because you don't know how to drive a car. Or if you believe in God to drive a car, go to driving school before you even get a car. That's faith. I told you it's not indifferent to truth. Certain things come before others in the spirit. Preparation will always precede opportunity. Some of you are not ready for what is available. Not for what God wants to give you. No, for what is available. Why does God want to use David? Because it's through the same David that a seed will arise. A star will come. And that star is called Jesus. Meanwhile, there's a mystery there. I wish women's conference was tomorrow. Naomi. Huh? Mary. Okay. To be continued. Let me finish. Because he knows it's the choice man after his heart that can reproduce the son that is necessary, which is Jesus. And later the Bible tells us that Jesus is the star from the root of Jesse and David. And that same Jesus Becomes the king. Because he knows it's through that Jesus. That as he is king over all, He will make all who believe. Kings. Clap your hands to Jesus. His mind. Was to raise the right seed. To produce the right king. And that king through whose seed. Again will produce the right king. To make all kings. The book of Revelation says. We have now been made priests and kings. To the most high God. Can you believe every believer. Right now. Watching me. Has a kingly anointing. Inside there. And it carries Jesus. Jesse. David. Naomi. Mention. That's why we are not men of war. We cannot fight funny wars. We're men of peace. That's why we walk in love. Because for so he loved and gave his only begotten son. For whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now you are a king. That was God's mind all from the beginning. To bring many sons to glory. Now I'm looking at the queen finished. That is why we preach righteousness. That's why we preach grace. He says, how much more? They that have received the free gift of grace. The free gift. He says, they they that have, have received the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Reign. Who reigns? Who reigns? Kings and queens. Reign in life by one Jesus Christ. The only ingredient to help you walk in what is already given you as the king and queen of the Lord is to understand the doctrine of grace and righteousness imputed. That is why we preach the grace message. because you can be a king and not reign. You can carry that anointing but it carries no effect like it was on David but it was serving so the wicked. But when you understand grace, that's why the Bible says they that have received. It not say they that have been given. No, even the grace is given you. Even the righteousness is given to you. All of that is given, but to receive. They that have received the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. That's why I tell people, when you sit under a grace preacher, ...or a person who understands righteousness imputed... ...and is not just speaking it... ...but it's working in him and his ministry... ...and everything around him or his business. Anytime that person speaks knowledge to you... ...don't be just in a position to understand only... ...what is given but always open your heart to always receive whatever is given. That is why sometimes when I'm preaching, you see certain people next to you speaking in tongues. No, They're not just speaking in tongues. No, they're trying to receive the abundance of grace. They're starting to receive the free gift of righteousness. When you sit under a man who, who has spoken something and it cuts you, always say, I receive that in your heart. If you can't speak a tongue, at least make a statement and say, I receive it. I take it. It's mine. I, that's mine. You lambander it. You you get a hold of it in the spirit. Some of you don't know how to receive in the spirit. No. When it's a spiritual thing, if it's a tongue, say it and say, Why? Because he that speaks in tongues, the Bible says he edifies himself. And that place of edification in your most holy faith sometimes comes as a word is being spoken and then you say it in the spirit to tell God I've received it. Or some of you, you might not have the tongue I'm speaking about, but you're prompted to say something. Always stand to yourself and say, That is mine! And eternity and heaven shall seal the reality of what you've received through knowledge. And now the manifestation of reigning, the manifestation of glory as a result of, re- of what was already given to you by God, but needs an appropriation by understanding. Because every piece of knowledge is a preparation to receive. That's why they call it the chastisement of the Lord. It's the disciplining of your spirit for you to receive whatever he has given you freely through Christ. Thank God for revelation. Amen. Somebody get to your feet. You're going to receive. You're kings and queens. But you're receiving the ability and mandate. The grace to function. Somebody raise your hands in the heavens. Start to receive. I see an anointing falling from heaven. I see an anointing being stirred up right now. Just put up your hands in the air. Whatever is happening after here is not me. It is you receiving. Start to receive right now. Come on, start to receive. There is sound with God's on heart. Oh, let the shed words impart. Receive it. Words of life, words of hope. Give us strength, help us call. This world where we roam Ancient words will guide us home Ancient words ever true Changing me and changing you We have come with open hearts let the send yes and words impact. I want to speak upon your life right now by the Holy Spirit. That tonight something just clicked in somebody's life. And it's going to bring about a mighty I don't know who but I know when a man has received. It in the name of Jesus Come on it's there it's there It's there for you to take Oh my goodness Oh my goodness ashes ashes Oh my goodness Prophet wherever you are woman of God take it Pastor wherever you are take it of the world wherever you are it takes one moment and timing of the spirit for you to walk in eternal truth and get what God has already ordained for you to receive 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 evangelist business people You're reigning as kings in the mighty name of Jesus, ministers. You're reigning as kings in the name of Jesus. This is a very spiritual moment. Just receive. Don't ask. Don't ask. Even if it's healing, don't ask. Even if it's breakthrough, don't ask. Even if it's deliverance, don't ask. Just receive. Receive. There is a power. Power. Of everybody else, take it. Receive. Come on, receive. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Somebody in the back, receive. Listen, there's somebody here. Tonight falls on you the anointing to demonstrate power. I know who I'm talking to. There it is. 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 May the power of God work so mighty on you. May the anointing of God make you distinctive. May the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the hand of God be so mighty on you that it will be undeniable when men observe it healing takes place receive healing now blood diseases are healing tumors are healing somebody have been sweating in the night profusely and you got a bad report just last week god heals you go back to the same doctor and ask them to check i feel blood diseases heal I feel fibrous disappear. Clap to Jesus like you've taken it all. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus like you've taken it all. Clap like you have received it all. Clap to Jesus like everything that has been spoken is yours. Come on, clap. Thank you, Lord. You are loved. God loves you. God loves you. That's why he makes us know these things. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 41 466 or email us at, at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com/funero. Funero, make manifest.